So in the beginning, God created sexual activity to take place within the confines of the covenant relationship that we've come to call marriage. And from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, that truth has never changed. This is the first of uh, probably will be a three-part little series on marriage, sexuality, and gender. And one of the things we're doing on this podcast is is taking, uh, you know, not just cultural things that our culture is dealing with. I mean, Paul Paul addressed this and the apostles addressed this. The church, uh, the early church had all these kinds of, you know, conversations on how to deal with culture. And, uh, you know, we're faced with the same thing. In fact, a lot of the things they were facing, we're facing. Um, and sexual, sexuality and gender um, is a, obviously a, uh, a hot topic in our, in our world. Um, unfortunately, it's become controversial in the church, and it, and it shouldn't be. Sensitive, yes, um, because, you know, churches are filled with people that have sons and daughters and, and uh you know, even moms and dads uh, that are are really wrestling with, you know, whether it's called, you know, gender dysphoria or, you know, um, same-sex attraction. There's a lot of, a lot of terminology, a lot of, a, a, you know, a lot of very real, um, you know, issues that people are facing. And um, whether it comes out of trauma, uh, and trauma can be described in a variety of different ways. Um, it's, it's an extremely sensitive topic. And uh, I want to I want to address it first off as we as we begin to deal with just coming to the scriptures and just clearing up out of the gate before we talk about you know like where do we go from here because um, you have to have a starting point uh, and, and the starting point is you know what does the Bible what does God say about marriage sexuality and gender and so this first video I just want to come back to the scriptures and say let's we got to have a starting point. Um, what does God say about that? What does God say about sexuality? What does God say about, you know, the relationship between men and women? Um, and, you know, does the Bible say anything about um, same-sex relationships? Does God say anything about, you know, this gender conversation that's going on? Where, where, how does the church minister to our world uh, in light of these kinds of questions? So, I want to just in this first one, this first video come out and let's let's really look at what the scriptures uh, have to say on this. And uh, of course, uh, I, I believe we should start in, in, in Genesis chapter one, um, because as we'll see in a few minutes, that's where that's where Jesus came back when he was questioned on marriage. Um, we've questioned on, questioned on relationships between uh, men and women, that covenant relationship. He, he came back to the beginning and in um so in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26, 27, and 28, God does, has done all this creating and, and, you know, light from darkness and the face of the earth and waters and, and all the creatures and birds and land and, you know, and the creatures of the sea, all of this. And he comes down to verse 26 and um, 
This is what it says. It says in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our own image and in our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. Okay. So there's male and female. Then he goes on. He said, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. And then he goes on about ruling over the fish of the sea. So the first thing that he talks about in terms of this unique relation, you know, not even really dealing with the relationship yet, but just in the design of creation uh, with humanity, there are, there are two genders. There are two types of mankind. There is a male and then there is a female. And he immediately moves into verse 28. That's verse 26, 27. Then he moves into verse 28 and he immediately talks about increasing in number, you know, biological reproduction and, and fill the earth. Now this is expanded upon and you have some really significant language in what we often refer to as the second, you know, the second creation account. And um, of course, in my NIV translation, beginning at verse four, it says Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman, um, and and how that came about. Okay, because God created Adam first, God created man first, and after God creates man, it's really interesting. You know, he gives gives uh, he gives Adam all the details about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and kind of the parameters and the scope of what he's doing, and he's managing the earth and all the animals, and and you know he's functioning as God has created him to function. And he comes down, and around verse sixteen, it's interesting. Um, after he says, you know, you're free to eat of any tree in the garden, but of the tree of good knowledge and evil, you're not supposed to eat. He moves into verse eighteen, and he says. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of all of, it's interesting, out of all of the creation up to this point, you know, God would create all this stuff. And then at the end of that, he'd call it day one. He's like, dude, this is good. And then he goes to the second day and he's doing all this creation, comes to the end of that. And he says, wow, this is good. And it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And he comes down into this really specific passage and he takes a look at, you know, he takes a look at Adam. Um, he just looks at him and says, man, this, this is not good. Okay, all, all of the animals of the earth, they have, they have uh, counterparts, they have, you know, companions, they have, a, you know, all of this kind of relationship, you know, biological reproducing, those kind of things. But he looks at Adam and he says, dude, just, he's alone and he's going to need a helper and there's no one else suitable for him. And it's, it's significant to know, this is really important, that when Adam was created, created out of the dust of the earth, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living being, became a man, a human man. He had a, he had a spirit and a body, and together he was one. That's how he was created, out of the dust of the earth, spirit inside, bam, became a man. Eve was different. Eve was not created out of the dust of the earth. She was created out of the man. And here's the account of this. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field, all the birds of the air. He brought them to man to see what he would name him. He goes through that. And then he comes and he says, so, and the man, you know, gave names to the livestock. But for Adam, there was no suitable, help, suitable helper. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was asleep, 
he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from that rib. So he literally take, took out of Adam a part of himself and created the woman. Adam was created out of the dust of the earth. So she's essentially created out of the same substance, but she was taken. This is, this is fundamental regarding male and female relationships. Adam was literally, God took a piece out of Adam and made the woman. The Lord God made the woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And she will be called woman, which means taken out of woman. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they're going to become one. And the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So the relationship of coming together, we've come to call that the covenant of marriage. Jesus will reference this in Mark chapter 10, but the relationship between a man and a woman is so unique. It's not like God created a man and then, you know, out of the dust of the earth and God created a woman like he did all the animals and they see each other and they're like, dude, hey, check her out. Wow, man, he's awesome. And they hook up and get married. Wow, they're going to have a relationship. It's not how it is. That literally there's this idea that when a man and a woman through sexual intimacy, and it's even really deeper than that, just in this oneness of the totality of what we call marriage, this ordained this ordained kind of institution by God. When they come back together, they are one. They fit together. They have different genitalia. They are, they are, they are complementary. Literally, what was taken out of Adam returns to him. That is impossible for a man and a man or a woman and a woman. That, that doesn't work. That's not how God created it. It's not how he designed it. That's not the relation from a, uh, that's not the relationship from a biblical Christian God perspective. This is how God created man and woman. And when you go throughout the Old Testament, it's not just like this law. God's not like, well, you know, I don't, I don't want men and men to be together and women, to women, women and women to be together. I don't like that kind of a thing. It, that's not how he created. That's not the function. It's not the biological function. It's not the spiritual function. That's not how God designed the relationship between a man and a woman in the covenant union of becoming one before him. Like we were created for that. And so all the way throughout the Old Testament, you have reinforcements of this. Um, declarations in um, uh, Leviticus chapter 18. We, we know some of these, but just to give you just a couple, in Leviticus uh, 18 verse 22, uh, he, he gives the command to uh, you know the people of Israel, do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman. That's detestable. It's not how I designed it. Don't do that. And it's more than just, that's a law. It's more, that violates how I've created man and, man and woman to operate and live, in, uh, you know, live together. That's, that's the union of the covenant relationship. How I, that, you know, for a man and a man or a woman and a woman to come together in a relation, you know, a man with a man or a woman with a woman to come together in a, and try to you know, bring into a covenant relationship you know, sexuality and intimacy. That's not how God designed it. So he, that's why he says this. And he not only says it there, but you come down a few more chapters, he reiterates it in chapter uh, 20, beginning in verse 13. If a man lies with a man as one lies with a woman, both of them have done what is detestable. They must be put to death. Their blood will be on their own heads. This was, 
this <laughs> looked really, really serious. We don't mess around with this. And of course, you know, you've heard preachers and it's probably not the the best way to go about it, but given these kind of judgments in the Old Testament about Sodom and Gomorrah, and there was a lot of things going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. It was just, it was more than just same-sex relationships, homosexuality. It was more than just this thing going on, but this thing certainly was going on, and it was a part of the whole um, kind of, you know, uh, sin of that city, the devastation of that city that was just bringing judgment, you know, that just, it brought judgment upon them because they, they were living these ungodly relationships. So this certainly was a part of it. There's more, but this certainly was a part of it. And so the point that I'm making just quickly is that God established relationships, marriage relationships, you know, sexual relationships within that covenant of marriage between a man and a woman at the beginning. And it was not just again, created a man, created a woman, and they were both independent and said, hey, you know, I created you guys to be together. It wasn't that. It was man and out of the man was a woman and they were to come back together and they were created to fit back together in this union of marriage. Marriage is bigger than sex. It's bigger than that. So there's, you can't violate, there's more at stake than just, you know, what the world is making marriage out to be. That's why divorce was such was really such a big deal. So when you do come into the New Testament, and for instance, Jesus is questioned on divorce, and this is out of um, um, Mark chapter 10, verses 6 through 9, um, Jesus takes it all the way back to the beginning. You know, just like kind of like at Sodom and Gomorrah, there was more at stake than just the sexuality problems. Um, when these leaders of Israel and are questioning, and, and then there's, there's other people there as well, but Pharisees, when they're questioning on marriage, you know, and the whole divorce and all that stuff and the law of Moses, Jesus comes back to the beginning and says, here's God's design. And this is so important for everything regarding the umbrella of marriage. Let me say it this way. When Jesus is setting the tone, declaring what's going to be the standard for marriage and sexual relationships in his kingdom, he's the king of the kingdom. And he says, this is going to be the standard and of course, they're talking about divorce, but he breaks in and says, let's just cover this. Everything regarding marriage, everything regarding that covenant of how God um, you know, established and created mankind in oneness between a male and a female, everything that encompasses that, he says, this is what it's going to be like in my kingdom. And he says, beginning in verse six, at the beginning of creation, this is how he responds, at the beginning of creation, God created male excuse me, in the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. They are no longer two, they are one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. So in response to everything regarding, this is one little topic in marriage and we have divorce, you know, but in regards to everything marriage, Jesus says, let's just be very clear, okay? No matter what we're going to deal with in terms of Moses and, and you know, the hearts of the people being hardened and, and how that got, you know, how that evolved to where they are in the present day and just issuing, issuing. there's all kinds of cultural stuff they were going through, issuing divorce and all that kind of stuff. And women is borderline, you know, um, you know, property kind of a deal. You know, you kind of bought your wife with some camels or something, okay? Not as simplistic, but, you know, however it evolved, 
involved. Jesus says, we're going to go back to God's design. Uh, My father's design and what was established in an old covenant time period, that's the standard for my kingdom. That's really important because there's a lot of um, assumptions and and propositions um, in churches today. Uh, saying, well, this was the case in the Old Testament. No one argues for same-sex relationships in the Old Testament. It's like pretty blatant, okay? 4,000 years, never tolerated people of Israel. The argument is, well, that changes. That changes in Jesus, okay? And there are, like, you know, well, look at slavery, okay? And, you know, we have all these passages, you know, in the New Testament, that the church is walking through that, you know, the culture and, and God is now out of a building and he's, he's living inside of us. And there's a lot of ambiguity on certain aspects. I've been doing a study and I'm going to, I'm going to do a teaching on this on women in ministry. And we're going to look at the hard passages, you know, first Timothy chapter two on, on, on Paul says, Hey, I'd permit no woman to teach, have an authority over a man. Okay. That is a very difficult, scholars have been dealing with that for a long time. What does that look like? What does that mean? Clearly doesn't have anything to do with ministry. There's all kinds of women ministering all over the New Testament. It has to do with you know, teaching and authority over a man. So it's, it's very different. You know, there's people are divided over it. It's somewhat ambiguous. There is no ambiguity about human sexuality and marriage in scripture. There's just no ambiguity. Throughout the New Testament, like there's a, I granted people raise issues. Well, what about this and this change? And we're not sure about that. And you couldn't get tattoos and now you can't. I get it. I get it. There's a lot of things we're walking through. Sexuality in one of them. Jesus said, listen, how it was here, how God established, it's going to be here. So the baseline of what, you know, where we have to operate from as a body of Christ, this one is pretty simple. Jesus says what my father intended and how he set it up. That's going to be the standard for my kingdom. And what's interesting, and I want to, I want to give you this. Uh, I, I got interested when I was first preparing. I was like, someone's got to address this. You know, it just, just seemed like madness out there. Everybody's arguing. And, and so what I did is I just, I went through the New Testament. I challenge you to do this. I went through the New Testament and I highlighted. And I've actually, I've had people call me and say, you missed one. <laughs> but I highlighted all the places I could find where Paul, the apostles, Jesus, deals with marriage and sexuality, okay? And there is a ton on it. And I call this with people who who have an argument for four same-sex relationships, you know, for the, you know, the, um, you know, the affirming position on sexuality between two people of of the same sex, you know, affirming, we love, we want to affirm. Um, their argument, I, I call it the absent argument because, you know, they argue over uh, typically this group will grab a couple passages and say, well, we're not sure it means this or that or the other. And they'll argue that. And it's, 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 those passages are pretty plain first off, and we're going to actually go through them in this series. But I just went through the new Testament and I looked at all the places where marriage and human sexuality are discussed. And um, I'm, I'm writing a book on this. Who knows when we'll be done. But this is what I wrote. I said, the apostles in the early church, for example, teach on nearly every conceivable aspect of relationships that involve marriage and sexuality. There's a ton on it. Listen to this. They give instructions on wives and their husbands in Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3. 
Husbands and their wives, Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3. Widows who marry, 1 Timothy 5. Widowers, widows, and those who choose not to marry again, 1 Corinthians 7, 8. Young people who burn with sexual passion and therefore should marry, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. When you should not marry, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. What to do if you are married, get saved, and your spouse is not a believer, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. When divorce is acceptable and when it's not acceptable, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And on and on and on. Like, Paul goes in Titus chapter two. I didn't go into those details. And there's a couple more here and there in the gospels. But literally in terms of marriage and sexuality, the volume, it's, it's staggering. The volume of, of material, the volume of, of where Jesus and the apostles in the early church were taught on marriage and sex. It's everywhere, every conceivable aspect. It's not just on, you know, marriage. It's on every aspect and when you can marry and when you shouldn't marry and what happens if you're married in this situation and if you your husband or wife dies, should you get remarried? And just all these kinds of details and, and all the instructions on a husband and how a husband should live and how a wife and the characteristics of a wife and, and their roles not only with each other but how they raise their kids and, and what's going on in the body of Christ and the role of a husband and a wife in the body of Christ. Amidst all of that, all of that detailed instruction, there's never any instruction on same-sex relationships and how those flush out. It's not mentioned. So we not only have Romans 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 1 Timothy and Mark chapter 10 and these kind of bold declarations on this is how God set out for marriage. This is what God's set out between a man and a woman and the intimacy and sexual relationships and, and, and all the places on fornication and sexual immorality and sexual impurity that take place outside of marriage. We have all of that. It, in, in all the instruction we have, you, you would think, okay, <laughs> without a doubt, if, if same-sex relationships were an option, they would be covered. At some point, Paul would say, oh, by the way, if you're a wife and you, or if you're a woman and you have a wife, listen, it's going to be a little different for you, but this is what I want. Or if you're a man and you have a husband, it's, yeah, okay, that's not the norm. This is a new thing. So let me, this is how we're going to deal with that. There would be, there'd be teaching on it, but it's absent. So from literally from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, there's not only clear teaching on God's design, and then there's clear teaching on how they function, and then there's clear teaching on if there's any kind of perversion, if there's any kind of twisting, if there's any kind of this relationship that's been twisted, there's relationship uh, that is, you know, those relationships, uh, there's instruction on that. So it's extremely clear biblically speaking, I mean, and not just biblically speaking, but for 2,000 years of church history and 4,000 years of history in the Old Covenant. So literally 6,000 years of, of the history of God's people and scripture. It has never been. It has never been considered. It has always been very plain. There's no alternative. To, there's no secret, you know, scrolls in a cave somewhere over, over in the Middle East that we found. And, oh, none of that. And so as a baseline, not dealing with the complexity of, of people that have genuine, genuine feelings and what they feel and what they believe about themselves. They're putting everything on the line. They're coming out in the midst of all this stuff. I, I'm not throwing stones. I get it. I get it. But the baseline regarding what we believe about marriage and sexuality and gender is extraordinarily clear. 
there, there's ambiguous elements in scripture about a lot of things. I mean, there just is. I mean, it's reason, I mean, denominations are divided over certain things. Can a woman stand up and preach? Can she be a pastor? Okay, there, people are divided on that. You know, how, how, do, how do we deal with certain elements of church politics and, and whether you drink or not? You know, they drank in the first century. Okay, my tribe says no drinking. Okay, <laughs> probably should do a teaching on that. There's a lot of ambiguity. The difference between killing and murder, war, you know, pacifist towards, you know, someone who's like, you know, hey, we got to take care of this. There's a lot of ambiguity, you know, in the scriptures. There just is. And we have to kind of work that out, listen to the Holy Spirit, ask for revelation. You know, we come together as a body. Regarding, again, marriage, sexuality, and gender, there's no ambiguity. The scriptures are overwhelmingly clear. A few years ago, when this first began to gain traction, um, I think you can probably find it on the internet. I've got a I've got a picture of it somewhere. Probably should throw it up here, but um, they came out with a uh, I think it was called just the Gay Bible. So how, that, that was the terminology they used, and it was called the Queen James Version. I don't know if you ever seen it. It was on Amazon. May still be. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, they changed some things. Whoever was pushing that, they changed some of the some of the introductory statements of the Bible of that Bible, and was specifically with the Queen James Version, when you open it up, I took a picture of it, I saw it at a Barnes & Noble, and uh, it said that they had changed. They took out, I think they said seven. They took out the seven verses in Scripture that create homophobia. <laughs> that that uh, It was something along those lines. We took out seven verses that, um, you know, uh, bring false judgment, uh, you know, and just to make the Scriptures more clear. They just removed those verses from the Scriptures. I remember thinking at the, at the time, how in the world does that make any sense? Okay, if I, you know, I wanted to hate my brother. This guy did something to me horribly. Uh, you know, I'm just going to go in the scriptures and remove those verses. And I'm going to have this whole church that, I mean, come on, you know, come on. And as we have covered in our a series on the Bible, um, it's the word of God. It's the standards, the rule, it's the can canon. It's never been challenged. It, you know, Jesus himself affirmed it. And so um, this is a big deal. So I wanted to say just in this first video as we, as we you know, kind of approach this sensitive topic, you know, and I don't have my, my club that I'm, you know, come on, man. You know, that's not my intent. That's not what I'm doing. There needs to be a baseline, okay? And so when we get into the next, the next study, I'm super excited when we look into Romans and then in 1 Corinthians because there's transformation available. And I'll, part of my own story and where I come from, a whole family of sexual abuse and, and sexual trauma and, and things that I had to walk through and, and you know be set free from and God literally changing my heart on some things and the way I thought and perspective. Um, I want to include that in there. But I uh, wanted to start from here and encourage you. There's, uh, there's a lot the scriptures has to say on this topic. So I hope that helped. And I want you to stick around for the second one. It'll be out uh, hopefully in a week.